It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. time enough podcast where we get into episodes of the twilight zone and beyond this is matt here we're doing our namesake episode today time enough at last so we are going we're going triple duty here uh andrew's at a undisclosed location correct in your bunker yes the bank vault maybe i don't know yes luke's next to me so i know where he is i think <laughs> you're in my house and so. I'm, I'm also at his place <laughs> i podcasted from your place before when you were here though that is true yeah <laughs> it's happened um yeah so this is time enough at last what uh you know a few people i contacted this was like the only twilight zone episode they actually knew so <laughs> yeah it, it yeah. is the most um ambiguous one i suppose and i'll guess I'll start and just rattle off a little bit of the uh, trivia here uh, for this one. We have not quite gotten out of Rod Serling's initial writing blast for the series, but we will note that he adapted this from Len Venable's short story of the same title. This was Burgess Meredith's first appearance on the Twilight Zone. He'll appear in three more episodes and narrated Twilight Zone, the movie. It's a two-faced coin toss of his ultimate legacy is the Twilight Zone or appearing as the Penguin in the Batman TV show. I almost didn't want to mention Jacqueline DeWitt as she absolutely makes your skin crawl as Henry, Henry's wife, Helen, but that just means she did her job. She also did her job in a myriad of films, including Spellbound and Little Giant, an Abbott and Costello feature. As for TV, she also appeared on shows like Wagon Train and The Monkees. Vaughn Taylor played the bank president, and he was a man of many anthology series like Craft Television Theater and Robert Montgomery Presents. He also made appearances in some absolute classic films like Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and Psycho. Uh, since this podcast recording schedule is a touch wonky, I'll have more to say about director John Bram in two weeks, but we still need to say the undying monster. You know, I'm going to give some critiques. Hmm? I think you sound a bit too much like you're reading something. You need to work those in more smoothly to the reading. podcast. Yeah. That's what you need to work on. Right, right. I'll work on that. Okay, well, now you're going to read something. Uh, Andrew, you don't get the prologue today because um, it's on my iPad. And I'd have to do That's it like cool this. with me, man. And it would be like really annoying. Yeah. So here is that prologue. Witness Mr. Henry Bemis, a charter member in the fraternity of dreamers, a bookish little man whose passion is the printed page, but who is conspired against by a bank president and a wife and a world full of tongue cluckers and the unrelenting hands of a clock. But in just a moment, Mr. Bemis will enter a world without bank presidents or wives or clocks or anything else. He'll have a world all to himself without anyone. It's good for a day or two. It's, it's good that I heard that out loud already yesterday, because as my eyes were moving ahead of what I was reading, 
I thought it said like he lives in a world of cucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is one, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I'll just flat out state that this is not my favorite episode of the Twilight Zone by like a long shot. No, I, why? I think maybe you know we just did the Twilight Zone movie on our other podcast where I was like, yeah, Burgess Meredith is great, and I don't know if he's great here. I'm kind of saying the same thing here. So I'll, I'll just tell people if they want to jump ahead to the uh, late season two episode, The Obsolete Man, he's fantastic in that. Yeah. <laughs> like I love true, him in that, true. you know, but yeah, maybe it's like a little too cartoonish. Um, I find, so I haven't actually seen much Twilight Zone yet. This is the first time I'm recording one of these. I watched a couple because, you know, I'm the kind of dweeb who watched Twilight Zone when he was a teenager, but not that many. Um, but I was very familiar with this one from pop culture right? right i've seen this in the simpsons i've seen it in futurama and i think i can understand why it's not your favorite i can see why it's stuck in so many people's minds because it's not like there's some big moral or anything it's just hey what if you saw some really really awful stuff happen to a nice little man <laughs> and it's it, you know I, I knew the ending i knew exactly what's coming i still felt it yeah i felt horrible for this dude the images do sear in your brain. I guess I don't feel so horrible for this dude. He makes me think of the insurance salesman in Groundhog's Day, kind of. No, what I... <laughs> I, I feel like I've been this guy. Because, you know, I do just want to have some time to read my books or play some video games. Well, no, that, and, that is the hook. We're all there. We all would love to just have a few hours to do whatever, you know, whack thing we feel like doing at that moment. And I've been in relationships where it's like, no, you're going you to talk to me. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I get it. Also, my main takeaway was like, if you made this story today, those, you couldn't have those characters acting that way about reading. It yeah. would be playing games right yeah it just shows you like every new thing has the same reaction so in 20 years time when all of our kids are you know shoving media into their eyeballs or whatever we're gonna be like you know why don't you do some why don't you go outside and play with a real controller like i did in my day get out of the metaverse for a bit yeah it's it's just (laughs) it's all just the same cycle of of people not understanding (laughs) (laughs) so uh andrew is this one sit in your universe uh i mean it's it's so it was always on the marathons like they had to show it and so i think it's just so uh, uh, i think it's all played out compared to other episodes you know and that's why people know it a lot it's just like a really great band who's done tons of great albums but everyone's stuck on the single you know and mm-hmm. so uh for me uh seeing it as a kid though i got how just dis- i was disturbed by it i was like that sucks (laughs) (laughs) yeah because i understood you know i was the type of kid that didn't want to just you know sit and read or whatever and um but now as an adult and having read books about rod serling and all of this other stuff and just growing up as an adult particularly now um to me it makes me think about anti-intellectualism and how he dealt with that when trying to get the twilight zone made and um, he probably was a bit of, of this guy as well. And that's why he recognized the story. And I think that's one of the reasons why he put it out there is because he dealt with a lot of mouth breathers, man. He dealt with a lot of anti-intellectuals or people that just didn't get it. And he's like, you know, I wish I could just do my thing undisturbed in my bubble. He wanted to just have free reign as a writer. 
And so I, I can't help but relate that when I watch this particular episode. For like primetime TV from 1964, uh, yeah, 54. 59 or 60 59, yeah, whatever. Probably. I'm getting <laughs> confused with the thing we're going to record later. Um, this is a great critique of capitalism. <laughs> like the bank manager is just like, no, you don't exist to do the things that interest you. You exist to be a cog in the machine. Yes. And it's the great irony of capitalism that it, capitalism can only continue to exist by selling us these bread and circuses. But it doesn't actually want us to stop and enjoy them. <laughs> like that, it, I had this experience a couple of nights ago. I was too tired to do anything, but I wanted to play video games. So I just ended up going on my Switch and buying more games. Because that was what I had the energy to do, was to scroll through the shop and be like, oh, that's in sale. I'll play that eventually. I'll never play it. <laughs> right. I don't have time or energy to play games, but it's fun buying them. Yeah. That's, what, that's what capitalism wants me to do. It wants me to buy a load of books, put them on my shelf. Mm-hmm. No, you it's know, true. From my perspective, I guess it's, you know, like like work time off, right? You know, usually I'm, a lot of times I don't care too much. I mean, it's always nice to have your time off. But it's like, whatever, it's the week, it'll be the weekend soon. Mm. But when I do have something to do then it does get like i'm looking a little more forward to that weekend um so i made like a bunch of songs in august and september and it was actually bugging me and then october and november i I kind of slowed down like i don't care anymore and just this week i got like three things i need to like mix and finish so now i'm like "Ah, i need to get home and finish them so it's it's the you know it's like my own drive to do these things is uh yeah it's like i don't i don't want anything getting in the way at this moment so I, that is where the, uh, I guess, the Harry Bemis uh, vibe comes in. <laughs> yeah, true. But as a production, I I do, like, I, I did rewatch it for this episode, even though I kind of didn't need to. But I started just sort of looking at it as a production and as a filmmaker, watching it like this, seeing all the smart ways they did stuff, like the ways he kind of avoided cliche, particularly when the bomb goes off. There's no, like, big explosion stock footage, things like that. There's never the... Like even now, if they had a, if they had something like this, it would kill them not to stay on the guy and just shake the room mm. the way they did. I think the whole set was on uh, springs or something, including the camera, uh, to get that effect. I I just thought it was really great, very refreshing uh, way to, and probably just because of the low budget, you know. But man, the, of all the ways you could show, you know, the nuclear blast or what was it, the H bomb. Uh, it, it was uh, very creative in that way. One thing I really love about that scene is the first thing we see the bomb do is destroy his clock and open his book. <laughs> but yeah, I think one of the reasons this is considered basically, you know, arguably the most iconic episode of the series is that the visuals definitely do burn into your brain. Like, I think yeah. anyone that's seen this can like imagine the, the you know, it's just like a mat painting right and like a few pieces of rubble on the actual set but it just it looks good it burns in your brain um henry's ridiculously thick glasses burn in your brain his his, <laughs> his organizing and stacking of books on the library steps you know that sticks in your brain i don't know how the book survived a h-bomb blast but whatever <laughs> no human would stack books like that by the way yeah yeah <laughs> it's like <laughs> wouldn't he have to like read through books for like half the pages or like chart or something you know, you can read. I mean, surprising stuff survives these things. Yeah, yeah. It's a big old stone library. True, true. But yeah, you know, all those images do stick in your brain. We're a, another episode which might be more like psychologically deep. It might even be like you know, more more mind bending in a way. Doesn't necessarily have those images. 
No, it wasn't known for its uh, for its visuals uh, for the most part. And I think that was the MGM backlot that they used. I want to say that same set was used in. Um, I mean, it had to have been used in a, a more than one show, but uh, the movie The Time Machine, the George Pals. Uh, yeah, the, those steps were the like Aloy building in Time Machine. Yeah. Okay. See, I figure I, I, th- I thought I remember reading about something like that at one point, but it's so striking, you know, and it definitely the crushed glasses uh and him oh (laughs) nuts it's like well at least you can masturbate still it didn't (laughs) blow your hand off he hasn't been able to do that for 20 years man yeah like now his wife's gone maybe he can get some time enough at last maybe he's not the kind of guy you can masturbate without something to see you know oh gosh well then he's in trouble it's yeah. like like the Mr. Show sketch where he's like, no, I have to watch and I have to be naked and look at the hole to the wall while cake, oh, guy, right. is, while cake is <laughs> cooling. <laughs> you know, people get very specific. I don't specific. know how far I'm allowed to take this on this podcast, so I'm going to stay quiet okay. on this line of jokes. <laughs> yeah, 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 we'll drop that. Oh, yeah, I guess I should mention, I, I decided to keep it, well, it's, I mean, let's face it, whoever's listening is probably able to handle that I'm, I'm, no, but, um, the reason it's good to do that on podcasts is a lot of people play them out loud in their house <laughs> and have kids just turn it up at that uh, moment Go i've back, heard that coming up. up recently on that pop <laughs> you know? well, if, some, if someone asks you about that then it's time to have the talk with them <laughs> <laughs> uh, i got for christmas one year a book of like you know obscure laws from around the world and i just remember sitting reading it on christmas day and i'm like 13 Mom, what's masturbation? <laughs> oh, that, that happened to me. We were playing um, Trivial Pursuit, right? <laughs> and I was like six or something. And I pick up the card and I read the, pa- the question to my parents, which is like, how many testicles did Adolf Hitler have? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, that was such a... I remember you telling me about this when we were kids. I remember this. No, I think he had one. Hitler, he's only got one bull, the but... other... <laughs> Is in the Albert Hall. His mother cut it off when he was small. But the card said three. <laughs> I'm so pretty sure he wrong. just had two. And that's a song that British soldiers made up. Okay. But... <laughs> well, if we trust Trivial Pursuit, add one. <laughs> yep, you that... know, how'd, how'd they find out? Yeah. I know. Um, in one of the Sniper Elite games, um it's got like really graphic x-ray shots when you kill people but there's a mission where you kill hitler and if you shoot him in the balls he's got one <laughs> well then there you have it that's a yeah. graphic game okay Parker <laughs> brothers lose the game win how have we gone this far off well i, I guess the question would be like um what would you do if you come out into your steaming mass of rubble basically what he did <laughs> um, i'm assuming i wouldn't have electricity so i can't play video games which is what i'd like to have time to do right so i'd read a bunch of books maybe write. i mean what i'd actually do is die of radiation poisoning good point yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's covered like, in fallout like when we yeah. did um duck and cover a few years which is like five years before this uh probably more actually but yeah we were again the same thing we were like oh no one's talking about radiation <laughs> um, which is because for a long time the US government tried to cover that up after Hiroshima and Nagasaki there were I mean there were educational films about fallout and radiation by this yeah. point I mean it's not like it wasn't it was a secret at this point yeah I mean yeah by 59 it should have been yeah but it, it still wasn't necessarily well known 
Right. But yeah, the Ma- audience wouldn't have been sat there like, hmm, what about the radiation? Like, dorks are in 2021. Yeah, Mr. Bemis isn't going to have to um, find something to do for too long. So <laughs> uh, his hair falls out after the episode and his teeth the next day. So, yeah, he's only got like two days to play with his Bemis before. Right. Yeah, that falls <laughs> off. Yeah. And eventually, of course, the eyes go. Yeah. Well, your Twilight Zone would be here in Japan. So when you found the library, all the books would be in Japanese. True. I'd have to find the little. Well, that's what I do. I finally study and learn Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> and have no one to speak it to. <laughs> I mean, right. Is the world. All he knows is that his city's been bombed. Mm. Could, there could be plenty of civilization further away. Or he might meet some mutants very soon, making yeah. this a very. I thought story. immediately of mutants. I yeah. thought of uh, I am legend. You know, right. I thought I went right from this into I am legend. What I like about I often I think I said the same thing when we did um, Dawn of the Dead. I actually like it more when they spend time on just the the solitude and the world is empty, and you, I'm not bothered about seeing the mutants turn up or the zombies turn up or some antagonist. I think the the loneliness is more interesting. You want the quiet Earth. Even though yeah. that movie's not the best of these. <laughs> <laughs> I want the first half of I Am Legend, mm. not the back there you half. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, was Night of the Comet. Was it Heston or Will Smith? I'm thinking Will Smith. Well, was the only, Will Smith's one, the only one that was called I Am Legend, right? Um, nonsense. Oh, Last like Mountain Earth is a price stuff, one. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Same yeah. story, though. which is a Twilight Zone writer, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. Those are all Richard Matheson, who shows up in a few episodes. I accidentally called him water in some episode, but that's because the character was, was water there. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I find surprising um, is that Burgess Meredith is considered this like classic Twilight Zone guy, but only did, did you say three episodes? Four, including this one. So do characters don't, actors don't recur that much. Now, Not that much. He's probably one of the most uh, common huh. deisons of the show. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. for like, you know, 60 odd episodes, right? Oh, the, show, the whole show? It's well, I mean, the 50s one. Yeah, 150 episodes. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, no, he's just... Guys, 20 top for four, that's pretty whack. Bill Mummy he's shows associated with the most uh, well-known one. So mm-hmm. he's synonymous with Twilight Zone. There he Shatner goes. Shatner twice. Shatner's very synonymous with Twilight Zone. And really, it's only one of those that really has a major hit, right? I was going to so. say, if I before I'd watched any Twilight Zone, I knew about this one and the Shatner one. Yeah. Right? That's a very famous one too, though. Yeah, but I guess very... also I grew up a in the UK and b ten years after you guys. Mm. So I, I think there was just less of like Twilight Zone being rerun and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Even for us, I mean, we we've said before that I, actually I never caught the New Year's marathons of Twilight Zone, but uh, most of the people I've had on so far, are like yeah, I'd watch the New Year. I, and Andrew being one of them, <laughs> being like I, I watched the New Year's marathons and. Uh, yeah, I think TOS Trek is the only New Year's marathon I ever caught. So, well, it's the, even fewer people realize that um, the Elvira's show movie Macabre was in syndication, and we actually got it on our local channel. I remember watching Movie Macabre on Saturdays. Mm. It was but, like an early mystery science theater. <laughs> um, I guess I'll, I'll start getting into the the couple of questions I, I like to plonk out here. Um, I think the the question of who actually went to the Twilight Zone in this episode is relatively simple, since there's everyone else in his city. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is he the only one not in the Twilight Zone? Yeah. Till his glasses break, at least. Yeah. But he's so bizarre. He he kind of is the Twilight Zone in this case. I don't think he's that bizarre. Okay, he just he's just a geeky little man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Maybe that was bizarre for like 1959 television, but 
I, well, they say bookish. Yeah. yeah, I guess this this shade of geek doesn't quite resonate with me for some reason, and I'm not quite sure why. I think that's come up a few times. Though you were, because you hung out with like band people and music people as a kid, right? Whereas I I hung out with Bemises. <laughs> <laughs> Be I my. Was the, I was the cool one. Like. <laughs> <laughs> my my high school had a bit of that because we were like the smart kids. So that yeah. you know, sometimes being the smart kids makes you socially. Um, a little bit of a weird key in the lock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we were uh, comic book readers and horror movie magazine readers and mm-hmm. things like that. That was that put us on the odds a little bit, but we, we didn't kind of look the part either. No, that was, that was the point of playing music, right? Yes. <laughs> Many dates say, were were gotten after that. As they say, in days to confuse, you 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 got to join the football team or you start a band. Mm-hmm. It was <laughs> very that. very true. I found the third option as class clown. <laughs> There's that one too, yes. <laughs> so I managed to be friends with everyone. I fit into all the niches. Yeah, I kind of like bump around and talk to them and talk to these people. I, I, I hope I don't think I'm on anyone's kill list. I think so. <laughs> I, I think I'm on a clown. Yeah, <laughs> I've been known to take a joke too far once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> but um, let let's. I guess we'll take the tack that you know Bemis is the. Um, the focus yeah does he deserve any of this I mean, oh no no like yeah even saying it from the start he was uh pretty much on the the poopy end of the stick that's so. i think that's like i said that's one of the reasons this one sticks in your head is because it's just it's just start to finish this guy's lot in life is awful he <laughs> briefly gets a break in the worst possible way and then that goes wrong too <laughs> <laughs> like you can barely even find a moral in it if there's a moral it's like he shouldn't have been wasting his life in the first place, right? He should have left his wife and read his books. <laughs> that is a whole thing. Like, how how did he? How did they get together? And you know, why why did she stay with him? She seemed to just detest him. You know, I guess well, that I, was back then the value system. Was, it's the fifties, right? Yeah. yeah, they were an arranged marriage. <laughs> well, they were just like they were the last two guys from their graduating class so they just got married sort of thing right yeah yeah and then yeah. you don't divorce people back then so <laughs> yeah that's why like all of stand up comedy was just complaining about your wife <laughs> <laughs> don't forget yeah. airline food <laughs> maybe that's where uh, you know and i it is as an icon it, it's it is a cool episode like i said the visuals do stick there but i mean post-apocalyptic visuals still basically just look like that yeah <laughs> yeah it's got 60 years of that exact look so i guess it's in 25 minutes the show is usually very adept at sketching like a three-dimensional character mm. and uh here it's pretty much all characters so yeah and i i do agree with your assessment that he's kind of like a cartoon you know yeah, but yeah. they they need to paint in broad strokes uh because most of the story has to occur once he's once they're he's it's bombed out you know yeah, so they so got they, this they got only half the time really to set him up and work on anything of character you know one thing i think would be done different a today and b if you had more time um i think you would talk less if you made this now well like obviously it's very tv for the Garrett guy to just be talking to himself to the camera the whole time. Whereas I think a modern director would be more willing to just let him let the show have a lot of silence. It's still 20 years ago, but how much did Tom Hanks talk to himself in Castaway? Well, he had um, Wilson. <laughs> well, he had Wilson to talk to, but um, 
Yeah, Bemis could like actually like find a book to make his friend, I guess. Draw yeah. a little smile. Yeah, I think even I am legend, right? Will Smith, he makes himself a little mannequin friend to talk to. Mm-hmm. But all of that is uh, just yeah, that's just film tricks. Now, now it would be uh, he'd be some kind of maniac and he'd set a bomb to go off in the bank so he could blow the whole bank and get to read by himself in a vault. <laughs> but instead, he blows his arms off and can't hold a book. <laughs> <laughs> You could probably use your feet to flip the pages if you needed to. I don't know if I can still do it. I used to be able to eat a pack of Doritos with my feet. (laughs) No, I definitely... definitely They don't have to stop to change the way they smell. (laughs) Taco and toe jam Doritos. (laughs) What's the difference? (laughs) I can't think of a Dorito flavor that rhymes with Earl because I was going to make a toe jam and Earl joke. Oh, okay. (laughs) If any listeners anyway. can think of a Doritos flavor that rhymes with L, please write in. We made tacos on Sunday, Ooh. and my my wife finally corralled me into cooking because I'm terrible at cooking. I, I tried my best, but when you put the meat into the taco shell, you could just hear it go plunk 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 plunk. Because yeah, I didn't I didn't do a good job. Oh wow, <laughs> Matt's got some dry meat. <laughs> she was like, "Cook it till the water's gone." I'm like, "Okay, she, no, that's just grease." I'm like, "What's the difference between water and grease?" I mean, I can't tell from sight, can I? <laughs> Well, make yeah. tacos a little more often you'll get it yes 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 maybe next time <laughs> as long as i remember the basic procedure i guess <laughs> yeah 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 we, we got two more mixes man <laughs> here they're on sale <laughs> tacos are hard to come by in japan by the way yeah, i know oh. i know the six well, not impossible but they're not like not like they are in the states no, they're, they're, it's easier to get them here than it is in the uk okay I love Mexican food, but it barely exists in the UK. No, no, yeah, you can, uh, Atlanta, you can find some very authentic stuff, so. <laughs> um, so let, well, let's put this one on the uh, tripometer, zero being not trippy at all, five being quite trippy. Um, decimals, of course, okay. Luke, it's your first time putting an episode on the tripometer. In terms of trip, I guess like a two. Yeah. Like, it's all very, it could happen. It happened, yeah. Like, it would suck, but it could happen. <laughs> See, um, I've done a few where we maybe took a point off because it was like a Western and Westerns aren't that trippy or it's just in the desert. And actually deserts can be trippy, but it's still, you know, plain. And this one, I feel like, I feel like Apocalypse adds score for me. Like, Possibly, but like, we're sat in the country where this happened twice. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I, see, I, because of the, you know, like the Mad Max vibe or whatever, well, it doesn't have a Mad Max vibe, but the, the situation, you know, the day after all that, I, I was willing to kind of bump it up to oh, about 3.4. I guess it's your myself. definition of trip, right? That's like, why I'm asking the question. Because, yeah, to me, it's not <laughs> trippy. Yeah. Trippy is like something a bit weird or impossible has to happen. Mm. It's just, it's science fiction, but it's, you know, very close to science fact. I guess Bemis trips me out, and that adds some score. Mm. Uh, Andrew, where are you on this... Uh, on this i mean i'm with you about the apocalyptic stuff i think if there's ever a moment where someone would go whoa oh (laughs) that bumps it up you know and i think this episode does have two of those moments one where you first it's revealed that the world is blown up and he's the only survivor and again when the glasses break it's two moments really <laughs> I'm sorry. There, I threw it. I threw off your whole thing. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I, I have a great bleep, by the way. So uh, I gotta, I gotta, yeah. I'll, I'll remember that for next time. <laughs> don't worry, we're gonna record the sanctuary in a minute. You can swear where you want. <laughs> I don't want to create more work for anyone. 
But yeah, this is, I guess, most people's entry point into the show because it's the first one, the marathon. It's the first one you would seek out. I mean, this or Nightmare at 20,000 Feet or Baby Monsters on Maple Street would probably be the, the your first entry for the show. Oh, I don't know. Monsters. See, I feel like Monsters is like a for fa- for people who know that's their favorite. But I, I still don't, I don't, I don't tend to get a lot of recognition when I mention that episode, like the casual viewer. You're like, what's the one where the guy? What was about the one with the guy? But it's never because there's not a the one with the guy thing about Monsters on Maple Street. It's just like incredibly prescient and amazing. It's yeah, I guess like, it's a matter of perspective. Like uh, one of the guys yeah. I have coming on to uh, do a few episodes, like, oh, I'll try and choose some like underrated classic ones. And he's like, one of them was like, oh, stop it, Willoughby. And I'm like, that's like my number two episode of the entire series. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't see that one as being obscure. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, they they remember Talkie Tina. They remember the one with the farmhouse, the old lady uh, with the robots. Um, I like is anyone there where she keeps getting the phone calls during the storm, uh, and it you know it's uh it's the the line has been laid on her dead husband's grave. Yeah, that's but, where the call. But this is many people's first episode so this well is, it is because is i mean not just with the marathon but it's i don't know if you if you had to choose a still from the twilight zone they would put a still of him with the glasses you know that's just that's what it would be oh the gremlin in the window uh yeah true oh gosh yeah would <laughs> be a toss-up between those then yeah uh plopping this one out today andrew you want to you want to go on your end of the pluggy side oh sure well if one likes uh, short subjects with um, twisty and trippy stuff, take yourself to gonzorific.com, G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C. From there, you can uh, check out our new movies like Ariola Jones in the home video Vixens, Bad Girl Dracula, and Space Boobs in Space. Right on. If you'd like hearing my voice, you can hear me do podcasts. I do a Pokemon podcast. Luke Loves Pokemon. You can find that on Twitter at Luke Loves PKMN. It's also on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. All those places I do a Monster Hunter podcast with my pals. You can find it's called Monster Mash. You can find that on Monster Mash Pod on Twitter. Uh, more recently, I've been streaming on Twitch, playing Pokemon Shining Pearl. That's 8 p.m. Fridays and Saturdays, GMT. And you can find that at twitch.tv slash Luke Loves PKMN. Gee, Luke, what time is that for you? That's 5 a.m. for me. <laughs> There's some commitment, folks. You, you got to get onto that Twitch. <laughs> this yeah. is time. Most people don't even watch it live. They watch the recorded one later. So like. <sighs> <laughs> you get a few comments. So yeah. 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 I, there's always at least one person watching and chatting to me. So. <laughs> this is Time Enough Podcast. Uh, check it out on Twitter, Facebook. Listen to it on the feed. You're already listening to it on. Luke and I also talk sci-fi flicks on Luke and Matt Sci-Fi Sanctuary. MLSFS Pod. That came out right. I'm amazed. Okay. Also Twitter, Facebook, all that. I got a new album. It's at rovingsagemedia.bandcamp.com of uh, me trying to do my own Twilight Zone of making an album that was created in 1970, even though it's, I just made it. It will always be 1970 for Matt. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, um, at least, you know, two out of three of podcasters and, and here don't need to worry about the glasses, but uh, sorry, Andrew. Hey, take it out. There we go. Okay, we're all good. We can make it through an apocalypse, except for that whole <laughs> radiation poisoning thing. When I had my medical this year, I, they said I had the eyesight of a junior high school student. What does that mean? Like, I've got really good eyesight. Okay. <laughs>
at the eyes of a junior high school student. They're in a jar on my desk. <laughs> I don't know. I got junior high school students. They sit in the back and they're like squinting at the board and they can't read it. So because they're like... playing those video games, reading their comic books, they've lost the art communication. They can't yeah. see. Weedy little arms. <laughs> Get and your nose into a book. The 